<laughs> but anyway, I just say that to say it's obviously something that's upon us. But I thought it would be good for us, one, to just get a proper, balanced, biblical perspective on what we see around us and the whole idea about, you know, gay pride, homosexuality, transvestite, even in, my, even in myself, it, it seems like especially these, those of us that truly are, you know, much more committed to Scripture, can have a tendency to go kind of to extreme that homosexual is the beyond redemption. It's a sin to end all sins. And we'll, and we'll see the Bible answers that. On the other hand, you got the people, and I'd say it's vastly becoming that way on the other extreme. First, you got the ones that are model calling and say, well, it's a sin, but, you know, it's, it's no different than if you tell a white lie. You know, and then to the point of you got many churches, it's, it, it's not a sin. You're, you're just born. Look, psychologists have found out that, you know, it's a genetic thing or it's just something you, you can't help. But we're just going to take a look at Scripture as a talker because when we're confronted with it, when we have this, but more and more right now, it's just it's basically upon us. It's unfortunately a big thing in our society right now. But um, if you would, I'd like to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You would turn there, please. And if we know about, you know, 1 Corinthians, the church at Corinth had a lot of problems, right? They, and a big problem, and it was really rooted, if you study this whole thing, if any of you remember, I remember, remember uh, it's been several years, and it might be good to do that again, but look at Corinth. The root of their problem began with pride. But it, it, it you know, it, there's, there's, they had a lot of problems. And part of this is going through this thing. Because he starts off chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, talking about, you know, I mean, literally how, how the saints should be treating one another, and especially when it concerns to do wrong done one upon another saying you should not be taking reports these things should be handled within the church among the eldership you know let you know let the church handle the matter you know stop you know stop airing your grievances among the unsaved but then we get to verse 9 know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of god be not deceived or literally, you know, in modern day slang, don't be duped, don't be deluded, right? Don't let this escape you. Don't be conned in any way whatsoever, right? It's a lie to say that, you know, that this is not true, right? But be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, first, to go through a few of those fornicators, really when you look that up, a lot of times they'll break it down to, well, you know, that's a, you know, a man and a woman in, engaging, you know, engaging in intimacy outside of marriage. And in the smallest sense, it, it, there's, there's a truth to that. But it's more like really just unrestrained, natural, man and woman.
woman were lazy. But what's interesting, that word you could also put in there, right? It's in various terms. Here it's 4205, I believe, pornea. But the word, when it's described, whether it's fornicating, fornication, fornicator, it's basically, as it were in your place, a strumpet, a harlot, a whoremonger, an idolater. We can see all, all these things, but an idolater, and I believe what he's referring to there in some aspects, and actually, unfortunately, we see so-called certain wacko sects that call themselves Christians and engage in some of this too, but somehow linking sex somehow with your worship. But the main thing it means is, right, this unlawful, forbidden, right, intimacy, sexual relations outside of marriage, but also to an extreme, because a lot of people that do that, right, they just have multiple partners and neither fornicators nor idolaters, and you know we understand that is surprising too, because you can just go into it, right, it says be careful about greed, which amounts to idolatry, right, but be careful that you don't put something that a lot of people an idol, but love it. We love only God. God is the only one we worship. Nor adulterers, we know that, right? Nor effeminate. And when you look up that word, this is one where, where you'll hear they, they twist a lot of things. Because this word generally means two things. One, it means soft. And it'll go like, i.e., clothing, but soft in, soft in character and mannerisms. Right? This will be... You could really say, you know, we know that an effeminate man, right, a very soft, dainty man. Just like, you know, that some, what's interesting, you know, that some that are engaged in awful activities, some men that they always point out saying, boy, that guy's really, he's really one of those, you know, he's light on his low for expensive stuff. I'm not trying to make light of that, but it, it was more, another thing it was used for was to describe, and they are right about that, that it's one of the things they describe. And that is uh, a man who's the used one in an improper man-on-man relationship. Without, because we have children, I don't want to get any more specific than that. But, but it also mean, it means that, and then it also means just soft. And when you think about that, look at the way a lot of times the sexual is just in a way when you're acting very effeminate and soft and that. Now, abusing themselves of mankind, that's homosexual, sodomy. It, that's what it means. If you have an NASB or one of the newer translations, it'll almost always interpret that homosexual, and, and that's just what it is. Now, what I want to see about that is not homosexuals are effeminate. You know, even these people that get involved in the trans movement, we can call them that way. You notice that what I wanted to say to have a biblical perspective of it and they're talking about this is a lifestyle. This is something you're engaged in, right? You're, you, you're doing it upon a regular basis. It's part of your lifestyle. It's part, part of who you do. So to say, like, homosexuality is to think of them just in, in, that, in that itself, right? It's a perverse sexual act. That's what it is, you know. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm just saying it's a perverse sexual act. But that, in and of itself, right, that you know that's in the list here, and not, this is not exhaustive, but he also puts it, if you're consistently, if your lifestyle is one of uh, watching porn, you know, the church, 
really went off the rails starting more than a generation ago by not disciplining and talking against all the other forms, you know, of sexual sin. Now, we'll, we'll talk about that. Now, it's, it's effect upon society and to the individual can be extreme in that, but it's a sin. You know, we need to understand it as that, and it's not like the sin that ends all sin because neither fornicators, so let's say you, you, you watch porn or, you know, people, you get, you know, it, it's interesting that what if we, you know, are we going to do that? Because it is. If the church speaks out, if they're speaking out against homosexuality at the same time, will, will, will they counsel people in that, you know, watching porn? Watching porn is, is a sin. Do we, call, do we call all sin, sin? Now, idolaters, of course, we can, you know, go up that, but, you know, right, even love of the world. You know, you are an enemy of God. You know, do we say, you know, you know obviously we look upon thieves as sinners, and the covetous, right, it's an unruly desire, almost an unholy and unbridled desire. You just have an unnatural desire towards something. You, you got to have it. Best way I, I've always understood that, but nor drunkards. Obviously, that doesn't mean you just have you know you just have a wine with supper or something you know, or a, maybe a beer after mowing the lawn or something that it talks about. Right, you're a drunk. You become inebriated, and that's that's your lifestyle. You're just always you're, you're drinking to excess. Nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And the point I want to see this is we got to see something here. Let's ignore these sins together. It's not an exhaustive list. But here's the thing we want to ask ourselves, right, is, is this, this new to our day and age? It, it, right, it's obviously not new. This is 2,000 years ago. And in Corinth, the ones he's writing to, well, here, I'll go on this. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 11, and such were some of you, right, before their conversion, before God saved them. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So he's telling them in Corinth that all these things are sin, right? So they had the homosexuals, transvestites. Back then it was more known as people that would usually dress, men dressing women's clothing and spending women in that. But they, they, had, they had all these problems then. But you notice God saved. Some of them in that congregation, this in his letter, were practicing homosexuals, but God saved them. And obviously what he's saying in there, but you know, you don't re return to that. You know, you must stop that, right? If you're, you're saved in that, you don't do that. Why? Because you're washed. You're cleansed. You know, you, you, you've been, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We have the Spirit of God in us, right? So we need to call what it is, sin. And that's the main point about it. We, we have to call it what it is, sin, and look upon it as that. And the reason I say that so much is sometimes, and even when I talk about it, I, I talk about homosexuality in a very, very negative light. But even the people who are engaged in it. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to whitewash anything, but... 
you know, do I, the, the, that particular sin of self, in that, that I, I look down upon them much differently than I do people, practically anyone who are involved in almost any of the other sins. And I don't think that's right. We should look down at all, right? If we're going to come against one but not harsh in that, we just need to tell society today, our friends and family, not to be hoodwinked into saying that it is a sin. And you must repent. And to Christians, if you are a Christian, you must Right, have your power, just like struggling with anything else, right? You must put it down. Pray to God for help because he'll help you put it down. Look at that, just like any other sin, right? He'll give you, the, he'll give you power over it. Yes, go ahead. The reason I, I, I wanted to, you know, point out saying that he's addressing a balance on it is just understanding that it's okay and we should have an understanding in our hearts for one, it's see the law saved. A person engaging in a homosexual lifestyle is lost. But yes, just as being said, it is a grievous sin. It is an abomination. But also, what it does to society is so horrible. And there's something about what it does to someone's inner core, actually unrestrained sexual immorality is always so horrible. You know, elsewhere when it, when it, talks, of, when it, it talks about just all sexual sin, there's even homosexual sin, right? Sexual, all sin is done outside the box, but sexual sin is done unto the box. There's just something about it. We, it it's something about it defiles you. Go ahead, Mike. Mm-hmm. 
but I want us to you know, look at it and understand that too. You know, it's saying the one first down is that we can have a, a heart for him. But understanding from a society, how much, you know, for one, we've said it before, and anyone listening or watching, if you have the ability whatsoever, you must pull your kids out of public school if you have the means to. Because they are being indoctrinated out of the gate in this fashion for some reason. And our co- if you're sending them to public school away from your sight, that means that these sinful, many of them, sodomite, or they go along with it, people spend more time with their kids these days than we do. And, you know, you, you need to watch out for that because it's so destructive, society. And we're going to look at that something happened. Something happens to society. It starts breaking down. And we're going to look at it historically speaking. It's true. You go outside of the Bible and look at it. Most historians put a big degree upon the fall of the Rome and they're going to misdemeanor. Have you homosexuality? A lot of societies have been destroyed because of this homosexuality because it just leads. Once that is broken, then it opens a floodgate for every other deviant behavior. just indoctrination centers for this whole yeah for ungodliness really i mean that they're indoc they're, they're indoctrinating the center mold people basically become really stupid followers of everything that's not right i, I don't know how else to put it almost everything they teach is a lie it's a lie because they don't even they hardly even focus on math, science, literature. It's it's crazy. But, you know, I'll get off on that, but it really is. But uh, we're just going to take a look at that and why it's so destructive, but how does God view on it? Because we need to understand about that, that there is a specific thing about it. But what it does to society, and if you know somebody that's involved in this, they don't repent, you, you literally have to stay away. You know, that's another thing, too. You know, I, I don't think we need to force ourselves, right? We can't save anybody. If you ever have the opportunity, for one thing, I would say this. Point out to any homosexual or who is agreeing with it or is standing up for it, and especially if they call themselves a Christian, that it is sin. You know, but yes, just like other sin, but just like that, like, well, well, do we say murder is just genetic? Well, some people would think so. Or thieving is just, eh, it's just psychobabble. Actually, all these things now, they, they have something, right? It's like if anyone does any evil, and they do it consistently, oh, oh, they must be sick. Well, they are. They're sick with sin, right? Whatever sin they've given has taken them over. And so then they get to a point where they can't control it anymore. 
because it has power over them. Which is obvious now that we're in Christ and we have his spirit. We let him have the power. That's one of the balance of it. That's part of what we do with here, right? We follow his word. We, we pray for him. We seek his help, his guidance. And that we have his word and that changes us, right? But where the power used to rest is sin, that's where judgment is. So uh, go to Leviticus 18. I've heard these, right? And this is what I want us to have informed because if you meet a lot of people, if they go to other churches, and if anyone here or watching has ever heard this, they are, the last 20 years, last 10 years especially, almost every mainline denomination, they even come up with all these books trying to twist Scripture and say, oh, God only speaks to it. Oh, oh, those annoying six six passages. This is one of them. Actually, we're going to take a look at these passages, but there's actually more than that if you want to get really theological about it. But this is pretty simple. Let's see. How, how do you interpret this? Leviticus 18, verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. I don't think he's saying don't sleep on the ground next to him like you sleep on the ground with the opposite sex. That's the only other thing it can mean. It obviously doesn't mean that. So what does it mean? It means what it means. It's an abomination for same sexes to be intimate with one another. Period. Uh, go to go to Leviticus chapter 20. Verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind with another man, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And actually, I'd encourage you to read chapter 20. You notice all these restrictions against unlawful sexual acts. You know, it's not just homosexuality, but it's something, but it's amazing what it opens the door to. It's amazing what it opens the door to. But uh, let us jump ahead to Deuteronomy. I just want to read these, and then we'll get into the main passage here, and then I'll, I'll be done. But let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Verse number 5. Now, verse what we saw there from those, those you know, the, the two passages in Leviticus there, were, it's very plain. I mean, there, there's no other way to interpret this. Because if it doesn't mean that, the only the only possible way you can interpret the thing, he can't be talking about literally actually lying down next to him and doing nothing, right? It, it's obvious what it means. Very obvious. So, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination of the Lord thy God. So, this whole thing that's gone into transvestivism, I don't know how you say the plural word, but transvestites, even how it's heard of, you can oh, drag shows, for a man to put on anything that pertains to a woman is an abominable. And likewise, for a woman to put on which makes to a man, I don't mean, you know, some will say it seems, that's what he's talking about. 
whatever you wear that would that would if a man wears something that would take away from his distinction as a man or if a woman wears things that take away from their distinction as a woman they're trying to appear for something else for swapping roles it's an abomination so the whole thing about gender ideology, we know just from science itself, and I'm talking physical science, because all this other stuff is psychobabble. Trust me, and that's interesting. That's why I don't have much to do. Like the folks in the family, they also used to, they, the reason they went so bad is they started including psychology as being somehow good and godly. And psychiatry is crazy, because that's how a lot of this error came into the church. It doesn't matter how I feel about something. I mean, I, I hate to think the way I feel sometimes when I get cut off in traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything that pertaineth to a man. Yeah, yeah. Good way of putting that is, you notice, you see, right now, the reason it's so focused right now, and I know me being a knife with a very assigned apocalypse, but going along just with what you said, feminism, this whole homosexual movement, and this whole idea of transgroup, 
transvestites and gender affirming and all of that. It's all tied together. But especially the feminism movement started. And what is it, what is it going into? It's the roles being reversed. We want strong women now. And we should have weak men. And overall in this society, and you can tell we're in the judgments because that's what they are. Now women are oppressors and foolish children to their husbands. <laughs> nice about that. <laughs> but it, it's the same thing when you look at it now. Look at Nancy Pelosi. What a picture of a feminist, reprobate, sinful person. Yes, I know, but right? Your sin wants to give over to it. Right? Once it's given over, you keep suppressing God's grace and the thoughts of God, the knowledge of God. Eventually, you become reprobate, worthless, right? Nothing good. And it's so obvious. Uh, look at Leviticus also. Just go ahead a couple verses to chapter 23, verse 1. He that is wounded in the stones or hath his private member cut off shall enter into the congregation of the Lord. So you want to talk of this whole thing about people that go as far do they actually actually have surgical pains done? In Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. Here's a little bit. Uh, <laughs> now you're looking there, right? You know, and uh, just have his privy meter cut off, right? Or I won't get real specific. All of us adults that really know what that means. But so again, we can just see that it, it's all a lie for anyone. I get these people who are writing all these books and they're trying to twist all these things, but feminism's a lie because you're not even supposed to wear anything that pertains to a man. To wear anything, and that's really where it goes. Now it's gone to women are supposed to be acting just like men, have all the positions of power just like men. It's like, was God wrong? we got to recognize what it comes down to. True spiritual warfare always boils down to this. I said it before. You can throw out all those spiritual, well, 98% of them that are out, that are out there. You get down to, if you're going to find a good spiritual warfare book, you better get one that deals with what it is. Because we have the Bible, truth against this. That's what it always is. What caused the fall? They believed the lie. Right? It's always truth against error. And then we see all these lies, now what they've perpetrated perpetrated upon our society. But to go along with Dean said, I want to mention that. It will so destroy society. And I believe as a church, as people that are in a country that have become so much white, but have given the opportunity, the opportunity to have a say in who our leaders are, we need to let it be known long and very boldly, very boldly and plainly I, I, I know of no person running for office that will just plainly call out these things are sin. I don't know one that's not courting in some part of the homosexual community. You know, I mean, you get women running for office. <laughs> I just say this. We talked about that, but you want to really look it up. We won't get into that, but at some time I think we will because it's a real good studying to have in that. But if in the old, if in throughout the Old and the New Testament, 
that the leaders in the government, of all the leaders in the government of Israel were to be men and be chosen among the people, but men. All the leaders in the church were to be men. Then all of a sudden there's a change, so now the leaders can be women also. It, it, we're not supposed to have a line of authority. So obviously it is. But it's one of the problems, right? Feminism has directly led to led to the problems we're having now, which is being under judgment. Okay, uh, let us turn. Uh, I want to finish over Romans 1 if we have time, but uh, go back and just see how bad it gets. Go to Genesis real quick. Genesis uh, chapter... Genesis chapter 19. And we'll read the entire thing now. But Genesis 19, and I think right, uh, real, uh, you know, and we know this well. We talked about it here in this church many times, but I'm sure we read it. Right? This is when, this is the story of the destruction of Sodom. Right? But I want us to look upon that, that they came in, right? Lot has accepted the angels. He thought they were men, right? And he invited them into their house, okay? So we'll pick it up on there um, in verse 4. Chapter 19, verse 4. But before they lay down, right, the, the whole household in Lot's house, Lot's people there, the men, the, the two angels, you know, that he thought were men, laid down. The men of the city, even the men of Sodom compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. So does that mean all every single person in all of Sodom? I'll say this, I don't know. Does this mean all, all? Just It's obviously a great number. That we know for sure. It was a huge number, obviously, when this is looking upon, both young and old. Just come upon this house and just surround it. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Okay, this is the whole society of Sodom. Say this, this shows, this is the denigration, and where what happens to a society that eventually gives in to all these gross sexual perversions, and this is what comes out of it. And Lot went out at the door after them. Oh, well. Bring them out to us that we may know them. And we obviously all know what that means, right? And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. So again, even though what they wanted, they wanted the men, or he said, that's wicked. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes, only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Verse 9, and they said, this large group of men, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow, speaking a lot, came this sojourn, and he will needs be a judge? <laughs> now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they press sore upon the man. I mean, right, they're just pushing against him, right? They they want in. They want those men in the house. They have to have them, right? They're burning with lust. And they pressed sore upon them and even lot and came near to break the door, right? Break it down. I mean, they're out of control. Verse 10, but the men, the angels, 
put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house of them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find a door. Now, right, they were so under control. Now, they, they would, their eyesight was taken from them. Should they start wandering off home? Nope, they're still trying to get in to have at these men, to get them. And it probably do wickedly unto Lot, too, because he had co- called their behavior wicked. Right, because he had judged them. That goes to show how out of control, right? The whole society, this, this had become such an ingrained thing that uh, you could say, maybe the angels and the men, they obviously there was something about them, right, that, that they just came after them. But if you've ever looked at these people that have been given over homosexuality, when they're in a group together, I've never seen them without not talking. They can turn violent just like that. And that was where they were violent even before because they were pressing into the house. They wanted in. They wanted in. And so that's why in a society, right, we have to break it down because when we read those things in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, the reason they put those laws out there, right, is they destroy a society. And those people that would say, you don't have to turn there now, but Ezekiel 16 in verse 49 in particular, anyway, don't, don't, don't turn there, but there's this lie that's been perpetuated called theology that says, you see, the real sin of Sodom was pride. You know, and it says there that this is their sin, pride, right, fullness of bread, idleness. Well, was fullness of bread is their sin, too? Having a full stomach sin? What he was talking about, they had got proud, they had become lazy, they were prospering, and therefore eventually that just led to more and more sin, and obviously we see the outbreak. Because we can see right after this, the story we're shown for the destruction of Sodom, there's reason God showed us what he did, is he let us see what the society had become. They had become grossly, sexually immoral, violent, and then God, and so God judges them. He judges them very hard, but people want to say it's pride. I find it interesting to say, okay, let's say that that's what started. And that, that is true, right? All sin. sin. Pride is a horrible thing. It's, it's besetting. God hates pride. But what's interesting, what's the name of gay what month? Their slogan is gay pride. So, okay, you guys got both. Right? Perverse sexual behavior along with pride. Because you got to be a pretty proud person to openly defy the living God. And that is defying him in the most horrible ways imaginable to be a person who calls themselves a Christian, who calls themselves a Bible teacher, who would try to condone this kind of behavior. It's just sickening, but we'll finish up. But turn to turn to Romans. But if anyone wants to See, what I mean is this is what becomes a society because they, they're they trying to brainwash us into, even as a church, to shutting up and accepting this gross sexual deviance. And everything that surrounds it, you look, I mean, it, it just waste it. But I want us to look at Romans chapter 1.
We'll just start in verse 21. And this is, you know, when he talks at the end of 20, so that they are without excuse, right? Creation itself gives evidence of its creator. Everyone deep down knows there's a God. That doesn't mean they'll, they'll come to Jesus Christ. You have to have your eyes open to that. But every living person deep down is given that conscious level where creation itself give evidence that there is a supreme being. They are without excuse for their notoriously notorious behavior. Verse 21, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. That's all it is, right? Truth versus a lie. And our imagination can be <laughs> really horrible, right? That's why he gave us the word of God, so we're familiar with him and from his truth. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Look at our society right now. Obviously, we talk about Romans 1. This shows the judgment upon society once it gets to a point where God, God judges them. And we can see that happening right now. You see, all the things, you know, the ones we warned about, and it wasn't just homosexuality. That, you know, it's homosexuality, this changing of genders, abomination to the Lord, right? This total, you know, and of course, everything that goes with that. Everything we see right now, God throughout the Bible calls an abomination. And now our leaders in government have believed it. Our teachers in all the public schools teach it. Right? And now even our army, right, is com our, our entire military service, you know, is, is just corrupted with it. But, uh, okay. And I just want to take a look at verse 23. And change, exchange, right? Change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man. So they exchange the glory of God. Okay? And then verse 25, who change the truth of God into a lie, right? <clears throat> so they're exchanging the truth of God for a lie. That's a spiritual word. We need to know how bad this is. But, in verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. You know, vile, sickening, right, lust for another. Vile affections. For even their women did change their natural use. And that goes with Mike mentioned earlier, right? It's an unnatural thing, right? Women did change their natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. And we just saw that when we saw in the story of Sodom, right? They burn with it. I mean, it completely controlled them with an insatiable desire to commit even violent sexual acts. Burn on their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. And receiving themselves that recompense of the word which is meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate minds to do those things which are not convenient. Then you can go by and just read it there, and we see that. And that's why we can see now we pray for the revival a lot. And I do. I, I encourage everyone to pray for revival. But at the same time, we need to always encompass into those prayers the start and the end of them with your will be done, Lord. Because we need to understand that it's a righteous thing for God to judge a nation in the present. He's done it before, 
And he's doing that to America right now. I guarantee it. Take a look at our leadership right now. But even if the so-called Republicans get in, what, it's not hallelujah. Trump himself endorses and supports the homosexual groups. He might be. Irregardless, our hope is only in God. Right? And we need to understand and pray and speak the truth. And we have a chance to speak to people. We need to let them know. No. We want to return to a godly, orderly society. That is our goal. That is our desire, right? One that recognizes God. And, you know, that goes along with the Jesus ministry. But we need to understand that, that throughout the Bible it shows us that. And you can look at that, especially when you're reading in there in uh, you know, Leviticus, when you read through that, 18 through 20, 21, read all kinds of once given in that filthy sexual sins right they're all abomination they're all worthy of death because when you read even the history of the bible but even the history of man it has led to the destruction of that society you, you just can't have it right god made us to have certain roles to act in certain ways but in particular in particular right from beginning to end society begins with the family Society begins in a relationship with God, but also a relationship with the family. Just It destroys all of us. And that's what we see now. It's completely falling apart. We need to pray to God that we can come back to that. But also be willing to say, Lord, your will be done. And to understand that it is a righteous thing. It is a righteous and good righteous thing that if this society will not repent of its sinful ways, that it deserves to have it. And we can pray for mercy, but that's why I just want to stress in my, I always include that. When I do that, I'm really pressed in my own, deep down that, Lord, it's right and good for you to judge a nation that has been given so many blessings and has turned so far from you. And as a church, let us just know the truth about the matter and pray, Lord, may God What's that? What sin is sin? And call all sin that. Any last comments? Go ahead, Jesus. Yes. And just, I forgot to mention it real quickly, Don, but just to look up, you want to write it down. To answer, if you ever hear of someone that would try to use that thing about pride, whatever, they can go to Leviticus, what they're structuring with Sodom, and then go into Jude, chapter, verse 7, and he tells us right there in the New Testament. He tells us exactly plainly why he, did, why he judged Sodom. For their gross, abominable sexual practices. Period. It, it, the Bible is so plain about it. So you, you, we don't have to pay attention or be bothered by 
what so-called churches are going to call it. Because when the revival is going to come, it's going to be with Peter preaching. Amen? Anyway, with that, uh, let us open in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we did come before you this morning and give you all blessing, glory, and honor. We praise you as the one true living God. Father, we thank you that you have been merciful to us and have blessed us abundantly, but in particular, your blessing and all blessings that come with it of salvation through your Son, our Lord and Savior. And Father, we thank you so much that you've given us your word so that you can train us, you can instruct us, you can build us up in godliness and and build us up continuously and more so as sin itself has less and less power to hold us back. And that as the godly, we'll become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we just ask your blessing upon my family that you would bless us, you, you would just bless us through your word and help us to have a mind to focus on you. In Jesus' name.